Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Well, it's good to see you this morning, and I was going to just bring my notes out for my wife, but just go ahead, girl, like, go for it, like, do your thing. Uh, so good to see you. Are you guys excited about Christmas? That was half-hearted, because that's a bunch of parents in here, and you're like, yes, I am, I'm excited. I haven't shopped yet, but I'm excited. Um, real quick announcement, if you made a, a pledge towards the legacy campaign, the legacy building uh, that we're doing, um, and you, you haven't turned that in yet, uh, if you want to receive credit uh, on your taxes for this year, you have to turn it in before the end of the year. Um, and so I just wanted to encourage you, if, if that was something you hadn't done yet and you wanted to do and you wanted to make sure it was on this year's taxes, it'll need to be before the end of the year. And, um, and also, we're doing a building and it costs a lot of money, so we need your money. Um, <laughs> You know, when we first started doing this, this capital campaign for the building program, I, I told the church, I said, the, the good thing is we already have all the money we need to do this building. The bad thing is it's in your pockets. <laughs> so, uh, but the Lord's been faithful, and it's just really exciting to see all the progress around here. Pretty soon you're going to see, um, I, I believe one of the first things we're going to be able to do is, is get that parking lot um, brought out over here so you can see more parking you're going to see a lot of stuff going on and i would just encourage you don't one of the biggest reasons not to walk around back there is it just tracks dirt everywhere um and it's it's a lot to keep it clean and i know i know we had several people here uh, last night trying to clean up because there was footprints all over the church and um yeah so you know as a kid i loved christmas i still love christmas i like christmas um I, I had my Christmas lights up all year long this year. Uh, in July, I told my wife, I was like, should I take those down? She said, nah, Christmas is almost here. <laughs> so we are those neighbors. Uh, so just so you know. Um, it's better than Halloween stuff up all year. That's weird, okay? Um, that's really weird. But Christmas time was always my favorite. I, what I loved the most about Christmas as a kid was just the anticipation like just getting excited, ready for Christmas to happen. You know it's going to be, as a kid, you know it's amazing. Like as a kid, you don't know that mom and dad are poor. You're just excited about Christmas. You know, you, you, you don't know like yeah, until somebody else posts on Instagram what they got and you realize, oh, they got something really nice. But as a kid, I, lo- I always loved it so much. Like I would, I would remember so, every year I would sneak and try to like remove the tape uh, if you bought the cheap tape, I would be able to pull the tape off of the, the gift, unwrap it, see what I got, and put it back together. Do I have any other uh, peekers with me? I got a couple people that are honest. My, my, uh, my wife, she, the other day, she, she noticed that some of you are like, I can't believe he would peek. It's Christmas. Come on. And my wife was in her, her room, and she had seen that um, 
that one of the gifts for the kids, the package was open and it was not where she put it. And she's like, did you move that? I said, I didn't touch it. She's like, oh. And so she figured out which kid it was and she was giving him the, the, the what for. And I was like, it's Christmas. Like, of course they're going to peek. Like, this is, they get it honestly. Like, that's, that's it came from their dad. And, I used to love it when, when the when the presents it was time to open the presents and, and I we didn't grow up with very much money as as just my family my dad uh, started a, a business when I was uh, my first year of junior high um, and so before that we we didn't really we didn't have a lot and then when he started the business we didn't we didn't have a lot for a long time until until the business you know, that's how if you want to start a business just know that for a while it's going to be tight and that's okay. Um, and so that, that, that was my world. But I, I loved Christmas. You know, I open up all those gifts, just love it. Open, presents, paper everywhere. Like absolute euphoria for like an hour and a half. And then complete boredom, right, for the rest of the day. Like Christmas afternoon is like the most boring afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Like starting at about 10, 10 in the morning until the rest of the day, boring. Like, like all, all the gifts are already broken. Like it's just the, it's the worst as a kid. And so I would find myself like sneaking back into the living room, looking under the tree, like picking a paper to see if there's maybe one more gift that I, I didn't see. Maybe we forgot something. You know, hoping that my life was like... Um, the, the, a Christmas story, you know, like the, the BB gun is still behind the bookshelf. They're, they're, they just haven't showed it to me yet. Like just, just waiting for that one more gift or, or opening up grandma's Christmas card to see if maybe there was a second $5 bill in there, you know, like five. And some of you are like $5, your grandma was cheap. This is in the eighties. Okay. That was like, that was like 50 bucks. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and some of you, you, you probably, maybe you're more mature as a child than I was. So you didn't do any of this, but there's a medical term for, that kind of a kid, the kind of kid that on Christmas, um, they really enjoy the, the gifts and everything for the first hour, and then, then they become, uh, they just wish there was more, and, and they begin to look for more and ask for more, and, and there's a medical term. The scientific community has used it for extensively for quite a while, and the term is brat. <laughs> I was a brat. You probably were too. But um, yeah, maybe you were, maybe you were more mature than me. But I think even as grown-ups, sometimes we just wish there was more. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I recently, a couple months ago, I, I just got rid of all my social media stuff. Not because I have any problem with it. I just found, found that for me, I really struggled to be interested in other people's lives when I was looking at social media. Uh, I, I, or like, I, I struggled to be engaged or interested when I was talking to somebody. And so I was like, I'm just going to get rid of social media so that I, I'm not inundated with everybody's lives. And so when I'm with somebody, I'm in the moment with them. And that's what I did. And um, I'm not saying that that's like superior or anything. I'm just saying I have like an attention span problem. And so that's how I handled it. And our small group, we did a, an end-of-the-year Christmas decorating contest. And we all decorated um, little gingerbread people. And then we took a picture of all of them. And I re-uploaded Instagram so that I could post it back to social media. And I thought I had, like, grown past, like, wanting to look at all the little red likes. You know what I mean? <laughs> But, like, they're all, everybody's sitting in the living room talking afterwards, and the rest of the night, I'm like, just make it, like, who, who just, which, are they voting for my cookie? Are they voting for my cookie? And I, I, I my cookie did not win. Chris won. Chris King won. Um, Chris, if you're here, you won. Hope you're proud. 
didn't, didn't, didn't grow past it. But we all, in general in life, we all do that, don't we? We, we have these moments that are really exciting, like Christmas morning, and then it doesn't take long for the excitement of it to wear off and for it to feel really normal or, or maybe boring or uh, just, just not as exciting anymore. We have these moments of, of excitement followed by just periods of, of slow, unengaged, dry times. Life in general. Like maybe for you, you, you had that moment, that exhilarating moment when you first saw him and he was so handsome and he was so amazing and then you quickly learned he had good credit and a job and you're like, yes, the Lord, the Lord is faithful. He's got a job. And, and then, you know, you got engaged and he had photographers there but the photographers were hidden so you didn't see them so they didn't ruin the moment but they did capture the moment. You know, so he's, he's perfect. He, he thinks of it all. And then, uh, you know, you guys got married and there was doves. They let go of doves and, the doves, and none of the doves died. They all flew away. It was just absolutely amazing. And then a few months later, you were like, how in the world am I supposed to live with this person? So you start going through your receipts, and you're like, how do I get, can I get a refund? Like, can, can I return him? Like, can I, do I get full, full refund, or do I get Kohl's cash? Like, how, how do I, how do I, <laughs> how do I return? Well, the deal is in life, there's oftentimes where we experience these high moments, and then we we, they're followed up by just the, the lull, the, the delay, the waiting, the, the frustration. Maybe for you it was the excitement of that new promotion followed by you were distracted that day as you drove home from work and you rear-ended somebody. Or, or maybe for you, 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 you studied really hard for that test and you got an A- and you were so proud of yourself until you discovered that you got a C- in the class because you didn't turn in any homework. Gaden children. Or, or, or maybe for you, there were just times in your life where you, you were hopeful. You thought things had turned a corner. It just felt so, so hopeful, like God was in that moment, followed by a long delay of, of just wishing there was just a, a little more. Wishing there was just a little more. And, and here's the deal. No, no matter where you are in your walk with God today, may, maybe for you, you would not call yourself a Christian or a believer yet. Maybe for you, you're just kind of filling things out. Or maybe for you, you would consider yourself like a well-established Christian that has been living for God for quite a while and, and you feel like you're, you've got some traction in your walk with God. I would say that all of us experience these moments where we have glimpses of what could be. Glimpses that are life-giving and filled with hope followed by them leaving as quickly as they arrived. Like, like these, these moments appear in our lives and then they, they disappear from our lives. And I think one of the best places to turn to when we, when we talk about this idea of, of maybe hope deferred, right? The Bible says hope deferred or hope put off makes the heart sick. I think one of the best places to look at this in Scripture is from the Christmas accounts. So today we're going to look in the book of Luke. Luke is uh, the third book of the Bible that is called a gospel. So your Bible is divided into two, two major sections, an Old Testament and a New Testament. And in the New Testament, it's basically, it contains four biographies of Jesus' life, followed by a bunch of letters that told how the early church taught and believed, 
as well as historical account, one historical account of the early church. And Luke wrote the third biography of Jesus. And, and Luke writes with a different agenda than other writers. And this is why there's four accounts of Jesus. They all write with a different purpose. So last year we did a study through the book of John, and I brought up that John was written so that you would believe. The purpose of John is to make you believe. That's, that's his whole goal. And that's why sometimes in the book of John you'll see things that in the other Gospels happened in different sequence. In John, he doesn't care about the sequence because he's not writing for a chronological order. He's writing in an order that allows you to believe easier. Does that make sense? Luke, he, he gives the reason for his writing as well. Luke says that he is writing specifically for a man named Theophilus. He was a, 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 a leader, a ruler, and Luke is writing the, the story of Jesus to Theophilus so that Theophilus could have certainty of what he had been told. So when Luke writes his gospel, he's, he's writing it in chronological order, and he's including all the details that someone would need to know to have a little more certainty in their faith. And in the second chapter of Luke, he says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Can I just pause for a minute? I, I think this is, this is a neat thing to sit on for a second. There were, the Bible, when it talks about Jesus entering the world, tells us that there are different people that the angels spoke to to let them know that the Messiah had arrived. One of them, the angels didn't speak to them, but they, they were people that had studied the texts. Um, more than likely, they were followers of a, of a pagan prophet named Balaam, and they had seen in the stars, they were Zoroastrians, they had seen in the stars that there had been a, a change in the zodiac, and so they followed to Bethlehem, which is where Balaam, Balaam gives this prophecy, and they came to find Jesus. But the, the other big group that is told of the coming of the Messiah is shepherds, and here's why it's so interesting. Because in the Middle East, even to this day, shepherds are not men. Shepherds are young girls. In your Christmas display that you have on your counter, it's probably men holding sheep over their shoulders. But in Bedouin societies to this day, in Palestinian societies, in Israeli societies, both historically, archaeologically, and currently, it is the vast majority of shepherds are women, young girls. The only time you ever see a male shepherd is if it's a young baby brother that the girls are also responsible for watching him too. <laughs> and I think it's absolutely beautiful that the Messiah would be revealed to women. Just like when the resurrection of Jesus was revealed to women first, the birth of Jesus is being revealed to women. This is a powerful thing because we're talking about first century culture where women have no rights. No rights of education, no rights of voting, no rights of land ownership. And yet the, the Bible, if you look at your Bible, it, it doesn't matter how many times our secular society will try, they'll try to tell you that your Bible is discriminatory against women. It is not true. Throughout the New Testament, women are provided with rights and opportunities that, they, that were not typical in their in their society, and this is one of them, that they were told first. That's cool. 
I just feel like I just preached. <laughs> Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. This is, this is crazy. It says, and the radiance of the Lord surrounded them, and they were terrified. Rightfully so. Like They're behaving properly. They're in the dark. They're shepherds in the middle of nowhere. And an angel shows up. And the radiance of the angel isn't just around the angel. It's around them. They're terrified. This is actually very common in scripture. In fact, every time you will find somebody that has an encounter with God or an encounter with an angel that's, being, that's revealing themselves to them, that person will respond in fear. The first response will be fear. I would actually challenge you and say, if you have never been uncomfortable in your faith, there might be more. When the angel reassured them and he said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the, the Lord, has, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven. <laughs> More than likely, we're talking about little girls in a field. And like this angel shows up and, and they're terrified. He's like, don't worry, it's going to be fine. And he gives them this prophecy. And then an angel army shows up, like, like terrifying. This angel, for some of you, you're like, oh, I like this. No, no, think about it for a second. Like if you had an angel encounter, you would probably hesitate to tell anybody about it because they think you're insane. And these girls are seeing an army of angels who then sing the song. They, they, they say, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village. Let me stop for a second. It says this, let's see this thing that has happened, when the, what the Lord has told us about. These shepherds, whether male or female, that was never the point. These shepherds understood something. Anytime God speaks, he never speaks for the sake of speaking. His voice always expects a response. So when God is telling them, he, he, God says that there's this baby that's going to be born in Bethlehem, and these girls recognize, we need to now interpret what this voice is saying, if this vo or apply what this voice is saying. If the voice is saying there's a baby in Bethlehem, the application is, we need to get ourselves over there. They're, they're, God's not just wasting his breath telling us things. He wants us to do something. Yeah. I would encourage you, if, if you've been in a season where you're really cultivating the voice of God in your life, trying to learn to hear the voice of God, do not lean back and think that the voice of God just stops at hearing the voice of God. The voice of God is always accompanied by a behavior. Whether that's going and sharing with somebody, whether that's going and praying with somebody, whether that's changing yourself, the voice of God never is the end goal. The end goal is you doing whatever it says. 
And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. There are days in our lives that are just like that. These big, exhilarating moments, like a Christmas morning, where, where it seems like we're, we're on the top of a mountain, where, we, where, where we're on top of the world, where everything is great. Maybe for you, it was when you were voted class valedictorian, and you were like, this is amazing. My life's trajectory is just on course. I'm going to be president of the United States of America. And maybe for you, it was that moment that she said yes to a second date. <laughs> You're like, the Lord lives. Maybe for you, it was when you landed that big account. Or maybe for you, it was when you bought your first car and the smell of it. You just couldn't get enough. You were just on top of the world. Maybe it was for you when you got into that college that you weren't sure if you would be accepted to. Or, or maybe for you, it was when you, uh, you, you started that business that you had always hoped to start. Or maybe for you, it was when you got married to your sweetheart. Or maybe for you, what that moment, the pinnacle was when you had that beautiful child that you can cradle in your arms. Or maybe for you, that pinnacle moment was when your teenager began talking to you again. Those are the days that feel like Christmas Day. They feel like just absolute euphoria. They feel amazing, like, I, like I've finally arrived. I've accomplished something. I'm there. They're, they're glimpses. And, and that's really what they are. They're, they're just glimpses because these shepherds see the Lord. They, they, they're visited by an angel, followed by an angel army choir, followed by seeing the Lord and sharing all that the angels had said. And then the Bible says this in the next verse, verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks. They, they went back to their ordinary flocks in their ordinary fields, back to their ordinary lives and their ordinary relationships, back to their ordinary jobs, their ordinary Mondays, back to their ordinary everyday living. And, and that's the way it often is when we have these high moments in life. We'll have the high moment and then we go back to ordinary living. And, and how long did, did these, these shepherds experience this? Well, if you read the book of Luke, you, you'll discover that these shepherds go back home to their ordinary lives and it takes 30 years before anything even starts to change. What I'm saying is they had an encounter with God. They, they had an encounter with angels. They had this just incredible moment in their life and never experienced a change. Never had the transformation that they thought might have happened. They had a glimpse of what would change, but they didn't experience any change. They, they saw the, the, the announcement of the, of the second or the, the coming of Jesus. They, they heard the angels and nothing changed. Just a lot of waiting in their ordinary lives. Many of us have this. We have a moment or two or three or ten in our lives that stand out where we really, we really feel like maybe God spared us in that moment or God arrived in that moment. God showed up in that moment. 
followed by seasons of nothing. And that's, that's why this is here. This is, a, this is an advent calendar, and this is not the kind I had when I was a kid. When I was a kid, my parents always got the ones with the chocolates in them. They're, they cost like $3 at Walgreens, and the chocolate tastes like the plastic it's put in. Now, this one, this one I got from Hobby Lobby, and it comes, it's, look at this. It's got a light in it. That's fancy. On the label for the light, it says that this is a non-replaceable, light, uh, non-replaceable battery. And that once you, after purchasing, disconnect the non-replaceable battery and install your own batteries. No. That's a, that's a, I'm going to use the batteries I paid for when I bought your non-replaceable battery is what I'm going to use. But the beauty of an advent calendar is, is it, it counts down the 24 days leading up to Christmas. So every day you can open it and you can see what, what kind of prize you got. You know, you can open up the different days and, oh, here we go. So in, uh, in this day, I got, I got me a Milky Way. Come on. And I know it's not Christmas candy, but this is my illustration, so sorry. <clears throat> you got a Milky Way and that's, that's fancy. And then um, let me see here. We'll open this one. See what we got here. We got, there's something in there. Oh, it's stuck. Oh, it's stuck. There we go. We got batteries, come on, let's go. That's a good Christmas. When you get batteries, you know something's coming. You got a remote control car, you're gonna get, you're gonna get a remote control skateboarder that's gonna break in three hours, like you're gonna get something. <clears throat> batteries are always a good Christmas present. Right here, oh, look at this, we got, uh, yeah, that's nice. We got a, we got, we got a read. Like, this is great. This is good Christmas. You're going to call in some elk with that bad boy. Uh, this is, <laughs> sorry. Um, <clears throat> like, what? He makes elk sounds in church? No. <clears throat> it wasn't an elk. It sounded like a, a dying rabbit or something. But <clears throat> here's the point of an advent calendar. The point of an advent calendar is not to replace Christmas. Practically, as a parent, it's to keep them from bugging you for a whole month. By giving them a taste of what Christmas might be like. To give them, there go my batteries, a hint. Just, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, to give them a hint of, of what they might be able to receive, like what's on the way. It's not to be Christmas. It's a glimpse of Christmas. And this is how those big seasons of life are. Those big moments that you experience, they, they give you a glimpse. They give you just, a, just a, a moment where you can see what heaven has in store for your life, but it isn't the moment that heaven is trying to accomplish in your life. It's just a glimpse of the moment. Because the shepherds experience the high moment, the exhilarating moment, and go back to their everyday Lives. And so for you, maybe you've had that moment where you feel like it was supposed to change everything. That moment that you, you had that newborn baby and you said, this changes everything. Or maybe that moment you survived that horrible accident and you say, this changes everything. Or maybe for you it was when you fell in love and you said, this changes everything. Or maybe for you it was when you moved to Idaho and you're like, this changes everything. Or maybe it was for you when you realized how low Idaho wages are and you're like, this changes everything. 
Or maybe for you, it was when you attended a men's event called The Return, and you said, this changes everything. Or maybe for you, it was when you gave your life to the Lord in a service you felt like God was speaking to you during that church service, and you're like, this changes everything. And these moments are not the saving moment. They are, they are glimpses. They're tastes of what will be. They're, they're, they're moments that show you what could happen, but they're, they're not the actual moment. And so I don't know about you, but for me, in my walk with God, so often it has looked like when I was a teenager. Because when I was a teenager, my walk with God was these high moments. There was two of them a year. There was a summer camp where I was on fire for God and I thought like, like heaven had come down to earth and it was just absolutely incredible and like, God could do anything. And we would see, we would see, like as kids, like we would pray and God would answer prayer. It was just like, it was amazing. But then I would, I would go back to school in a school full of kids that didn't have that same experience as me and I would just feel like I'm going back to my everyday ordinary flock, like back to the fields that are full of dirt, like and then I would have winter camp, and it was the same thing, this big high. And then in my mind as a kid, I would think, like, if we could just take all of our families and move to the camp we're doing youth camp at, and we could just have church every time, like here, and, and we, could do, we could do school, and we could all have jobs, and we could, we could all live as a big group. And that's, a, that's called a cult, okay? <laughs> that's a cult. <laughs> like, we, we, don't need, we don't need to do that. But that's what I would think in my mind. Like, how do I avoid, how do I avoid... My walk with God looking like high moments followed by low moments, high moments and low moments. How do I avoid that? Maybe I'm the only one that ever experiences this. No. The truth is there's these, these moments that are they're so incredible followed by long times of nothing. And you wonder like, what did I do wrong? What am I missing? What, what ingredient am I supposed to add to that? Like, how much more should I conjure up my faith to, to be able to maintain this thing up here? And can I just tell you that maybe the point isn't maintaining that euphoria. It's not maintaining that super high. Maybe the point is that that moment was really just a glimpse of what God wants to do. Maybe it's just a, a moment just to expand your horizon for, for just a moment so you could see what God could do. Because when you go back to the flocks, when you go back to the ordinary life, that baby, that uh, all, everything made sense when you were holding that baby. But when you go back to the flocks, it's 3 a.m. and you're holding that baby in the middle of the night and you're like, this changes everything. Maybe for you, that, that job that you thought, that promotion, was that was the whole goal to get this promotion. Now that you have it, you realize the expectations and the responsibility is more than you would really like at the moment. And so you say, this changes everything. What happens, at least for me, in those seasons where I find myself in the lull, is I, is I begin, I begin to reason. I begin to think, well, maybe these things, maybe they're not actually blessings from God. 
because it seems like every time there's a blessing from God, it, it comes with some sort of string that's attached. Like, like my marriage, I thought was a blessing from God until I realized I now have submitted my life to somebody that is crazy. <laughs> marriage counseling right now. We're going to get about, about to get real. I'm kidding. Not kidding. Am I kidding or not? I don't. I need your permission. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But in those moments, I think, God, how, how could this job, or God, how could this house that I feel like you blessed me with, I thought it was a blessing from you, but now just trying to keep up on the payments is killing me. So I reason, and I said, well, maybe, maybe God isn't good. Maybe the gift he gave me wasn't actually a good gift. Maybe he's actually a little bit sneaky, and he's not giving me great gifts. Or I could take it even a step further, and I could say, maybe it wasn't a gift from God at all. Maybe, maybe I just rolled up my sleeves, and I made this happen, and maybe there isn't a really even God at play at all in this thing. Maybe it's all just coincidence that things are lining up in my life like they did because of the way they're resulting. Maybe there isn't a God. Maybe none of you go there in your heads, but this is where this preacher goes. There are times in my life when I just become so frustrated. I'm like, why isn't it still up here? And can I tell you that the purpose of it was never to keep you up there? What do you do when, when you thought that exhilarating moment was supposed to be the point, and 48 hours later, you're, you're back? It's just back to ordinary life, same fields, same flocks, same other shepherds that don't know when to stop talking, like same stinky sheep. Like, like God, if we had this encounter with you, couldn't you have changed the smell of sheep? Like you could have changed sheep to smell like roses, but you didn't stink. Like feet, sheep stink. You could have done something. So sometimes life, even though we have great glimpses, great moments, things that seem like a step forward, like, like an advancement, it seems like even in those moments, we, we did not get what we thought we got. But there's more to the story. Because the shepherds don't just leave. It says it like this, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen it was just as the angel had told them. So the angels did not circle back around and look under the present and say, God, like, do you have one more gift in there for us? Like, God, can we have just one more angel encounter? To, to, can, we, can we just get another angel moment? Like, can we, can we get another choir? Just bring, bring another choir in here. No, they went back to the same field, to the same struggling relationships, to the same monthly mortgage, back to the same flocks. Because the glimpse that God gives us, this was never the point. The glimpse, the opportunity, the business, the marriage, the, the nice car, all of them are not the point. They simply point us towards a God that is worthy of glory, worthy of praise, and is always faithful. That's what the shepherds recognized. They said, even though we're having a, a moment with, with him, he's worthy of our, like we're, we're able to say he's incredible, and we give him praise, and we know he's 
faithful. So what this means is that every moment in your life, whether good or bad, can, is, like, is like an advent calendar. Let me say it like this, like your life is like an advent calendar. And each moment is a moment that you can find glory towards God and recognize his faithfulness in it. Even in the times when we experience things we don't like. I'll hear people often tell me this, and I get the sentiment. They'll say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. I I get that. It's very common. It's what people say. It's horrible theology that everything happens for a reason. That's not what your Bible says. Your Bible says that he will work all things out for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. But it isn't, like, God is not behind your aunt getting in a car accident. That was a horrible accident. Like, like a lot of the things that happen in our life are not that God is like this, this big guy moving the chess pieces around, laughing while we hurt. No, we make poor decisions. We have bad judgment. We get sick. Our bodies get sick. That's not God making us sick. But the Bible tells us that he will work all things out for his good. And when we know this, we can look in those moments, dead in the eye, the moment that we wish was different, and we can say, I can still find the faithfulness of God in a moment like this. Like in a moment like this, that, that, that moment that you survived that horrible situation that you, you thought was going to kill you, you can say, I know that because I survived this thing, that God is faithful, and he is, he is just to fulfill his promises. Like I, I know that because I lived through maybe a, a, a messy divorce, you can look back and say, I hated that moment. That season of my life was dark. But in that messy divorce, in that difficult season, I came to terms with the truth that God is always faithful even when I'm broken. Like even when you're looking at the divine spark of a child who's sick and they're they're just struggling to get air into their lungs, you can recognize that God is faithful. That that, that moment when you had that job that you thought was going to be everything and you lost the job, you can discover that God is a provider. He's faithful even when it feels like things aren't right. It was that moment when you broke up with her. You, found, you thought you found the love of your life, but you broke up with her. And two months later, God brings the right person into your life. I'm just telling you, in those moments, it feels like everything's wrong, but the truth is they're just an advent calendar that bring an opportunity for God to say, I am always faithful. I'm always faithful. In fact, for some of you right now, I would say this moment is an Advent calendar moment for you. Maybe you came today because you thought, the reason I came is because my friend told me I would get, actually, that's not the date. I think it's the 18th. I might be wrong. It is. You came today because you thought your friend was getting you lunch after church. And they better. Hold them to it. And ask for a plus two, me and my wife. Like. But can I just tell you that even in this moment that you feel like it was just about food, 
it was just it was just about food and ice skating later. That God is setting you up. You can look at this and be like, oh, just all the things in my life were just random. It, it just all happened the way, it, it's just all random. Okay, you can say that. I don't believe that. I believe God has been setting you up your entire life. Yes. I believe your entire life as you've been engaging in these, these moments and seeing these different doors open, different good things and different bad things, I believe God has been setting you up for a moment to encounter you. And it could be today. I believe that. So through all the painful moments, all the predictable moments, all the unpredictable moments, what if all of those moments were really God giving you a trajectory that points towards himself? And I think God knows that we just don't wait well. Like little, kid, like little kids in December. And so he gives us these little moments. And the little moments aren't the point. They just give us a taste of the point. Our entire lives, an Advent calendar. Each compartment, just a glimpse of what God wants to do in our lives. Unfortunately, some of us might, might look at this and say, well, then he must be a really cruel God. He must be really cruel because for you, when you look at these moments, you see a job that was lost, maybe a betrayal you endured, a miscarriage, a diagnosis. Maybe for you, you opened a gift, and you said, this gift, it's no gift at all. It, there's, there's no gift at all here. It's just batteries. But can I tell you that even in those difficult seasons, in those gifts that feel like they're not a gift, God is growing you. He's developing you. He's turning you into somebody that one day he'll be able to show his glory through. If you believe that every event is random, then it does not matter what God does or does not do, you will not believe in him. But if you choose to say, I believe that God is setting me up, he is ordering my steps, he's at work in my life, then it doesn't matter what God does or does not do, you will only trust him more. What's incredible, as the band would come, what's incredible about this whole story is that these shepherds who had experienced a high moment followed by 30 years of delay, 30 years of nothing else, they would have most likely heard about 30 years later. Because the Bible tells us that news about Jesus spread everywhere. Everybody knew about Jesus. In fact, that was early in Jesus' ministry. That was his, his commission to people is, is go tell them, go, go tell them, go tell them, go tell them, go tell them. So it's very likely that 30 years later, these shepherd boys or girls, whatever they were, men or women by this time, were at a watering hole one day 
somebody came and said, did you hear about this guy named Jesus? He's, he's amazing. There's no one like him. Like when he speaks to people that are possessed, demons leave. Like when this guy lays his hand on sick people, they're healed. There was a woman that only touched his clothing and she was healed. Like this guy raised the dead. He claims to be the Messiah. He claims to be God in flesh, God incarnate. Like, like this is crazy. Can you believe it? And those shepherds, they would have said, yeah, I can believe it. Because I had a glimpse of it. I, 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 had, I had a hint of it. I had a taste of it. In fact, I rocked that baby on my knee. They had a glimpse of what would be. And if they did not lose heart in between, they would be able to experience all that he had for them. It was this same child that they met. And for three years, he, he went around the countryside in northern Israel, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching a new gospel a gospel of the kingdom of God coming into people's hearts. A new way of living, things they'd never heard before. And the Roman government saw him as a threat and they said, we, we've got to do something about him. But what they did not know is they were acting on behalf of heaven because heaven had orchestrated a plan that he would become the ultimate sacrifice, standing in front of the bus that is barreling down towards all of our lives, and he would pay the price for all of the wrong things we've ever done, and he would, by his blood, we would have access to freedom in God. By his shed blood, we would have access to our bodies being healed. By his blood, we would have access to power over the evil of darkness. So he was raised up on that cross and died. Not a loser's death. He died a winner's triumphant victory. So that you and I, who throughout the course of our lives, we see glimpses of all that God wants in our life. We see glimpses of the purpose that God has for us. He died so you can experience the fullness what God has for you. Would you stand with me across the room? I just want to pray over you. Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray right now that you would that you would calm the anxieties of waiting. Lord, that you would bring peace to that heart that has been chasing another high moment. That, that, that heart that feels like they're far from you because it's quiet. I pray you'd give them certainty in what they heard. I pray you'd give them clarity in what was so they can give you glory. They can praise you and they would be reminded of the faithfulness of God. Lord, that we wouldn't look towards the days of our Advent calendar 
as your solution to our lives. Lord, that we wouldn't look to the business we started as your goal for our lives. Lord, that we wouldn't look towards the marriage that we have as the greatest purpose of our lives. That we wouldn't look towards the ministry you've given us as though that was the grandest gesture from you. God, that we would recognize they are all just a taste of the glory that will be revealed through Jesus in our lives. Keep your hearts in this posture that they're in. And and I would ask you this question. Maybe for you, you recognize that you you are crossing the threshold from someone that does not believe in Jesus who thinks everything is a coincidence. And you can feel yourself being drawn by God to step over into trusting Jesus even in the middle of things that are hard. Maybe for you that looks like becoming a Christian for the very first time or turning back to him after walking away. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? No one's looking at you. Put your hand up so I can see it. I see that. I see that hand. I see that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and believe. I think a lot of times when we talk about repentance, we think we're saying you're a bad person, you need to repent. That's not what we're saying. We're saying there are things in our lives that we think, do, or say that just don't please God. And when we repent, we're turning away from those things and turning towards Jesus. And we're going to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The one thing that has power over all. And when we do this, his blood cleanses us from all sin. And he will bring you into a right relationship with God. So for those of you that raised your hand, or maybe some of you that really wanted to, but you didn't, and you want to join in, I invite you to repent and believe with me. Pray something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Specifically, my my way of just doing things on my own. I'm turning away from it now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, that he was buried for three days, and he rose again with all power. So right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words, Jesus Be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the best decision of their life, stepping over that threshold into a new walk with God. God bless you. Let's respond in worship today. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.